0: your boy dm3 and you're listening to pandemonium with mike Lindsay on the buffalo bills exclusively on the bill to buffalo podcast network
1: Mafia Woodshake, and I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Be sure to hit me on Twitter at Mike Sports and download, subscribe, rate and review the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network and get us all over the social platforms from YouTube to Instagram to everything in between, Facebook, all the live shows, seven days a week of Bill's content as we steamroll through training camp. And of course, we get set for that special home. Uh, game for the Rams. They'll be welcoming the Bills uh, in for uh, just the Titanic matchup to kick off the 2022 campaign. Uh, Two Super Bowl contenders right out of the chute and uh, wild, crazy expectations in Western New York. Probably the most expectations, I think, at least since the '90s, and maybe ever. I mean, this is just—it's been unbelievable. The bills are so big right now. First day of training camp, they had a ton of people come out—national insiders and all the rest. The Peter Kings of the world—they're uh, the first topic of conversation on most podcasts, uh, on, on on you know network shows and all that. I mean, it's it's insane. Josh Allen's a superstar. Diggs is a superstar. Von Miller's a superstar. I mean, it, it's been—you know—it's been a good solid uh, you know 30 years since we've had. Uh, The Bills have not one, but two, not one or two, I should say, but three superstars on the team and maybe some budding ones as well. Who better to talk to about the Buffalo Bills right now as we go through training camp day to day? Uh, and focusing on St. John Fisher College, get ready for the season. My good buddy, Scott Petoniak, he's been in this business for a long time. longtime Bills insider and reporter and best-selling author. Make sure you pick up all of his books on the Bills online where books are sold and your local bookstore as well. And he is on Twitter, at Scott Petoniak. And, of course, you can check out the Rochester Business Journal and his awesome content at rbj.net. Many, many uh, different articles on the Buffalo Bills. Scott Petoniak, my man, how are you, bud? I'm doing fine, Mike. Thanks for having me. So what's next, do you think, for Jordan Poyer and the Bills? Um, You know, I I think they're going to get this worked out. Um, You know,
0: it's it's interesting uh, that, uh, you know, he's got his agent there, Rosenhaus, uh, or Rosenmouth, as we used to call him uh, (laughs) back in the day. He likes to talk and talk loudly. But um, I think this has been... Uh, he, he's taking a little bit of a different tact here because I think that you know I think Poyer obviously wants to be here. He wants to stay here, and uh, and why not? I mean, this is a team that's a favorite to you know go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, and and, and he understands that that all the pieces are in place. Um, you know, so I think he really wants to get a deal done. Now, the the problem here is you know he's a safety and he's thirty one years old, and yes, he's very productive. He's coming off a of, very productive season, but how, how long are you going to have to go with this and how much are you going to eat? You know, it's one of those, one of those things where he's at an age now and at a position where you can decline in a hurry, but I think they'll, they'll get it done um, somehow, some way, because I I think Poyer again, really knows what's at stake here in terms of like, he's got a chance to win a Super Bowl, an excellent chance. And uh, uh, you know, and I, I also think Mike that, you know, he doesn't want to become that distraction. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is a team that's been very good at avoiding distractions. Um, I think it's part of the MO of, of Sean McDermott and so forth. So, you know, he doesn't want to be the guy to rock the boat and yet he wants his money. So, uh, but I, I think that, I think they'll, they'll find some sort of uh, common ground here to make this happen. And of course, you know, you can always, you can get creative with the contracts and you can push it down a little bit, but we all know that you know it. Uh, I believe next year is when Josh's, oh, um, yeah. you know, his, his contract really kicks in, and that's when you know that we we always talk Mike about windows and stuff, and that's one of the things that you have to factor in with windows is like you know how how well can you continue to navigate the cap, and once the quarterbacks big contracts. You know, once once they land, then it becomes a lot more difficult to, you know, keep the guys that you'd like to keep, particularly depth guys, to, to make things happen.
1: I actually thought that last year, even though he had a nice year, I thought that Stephon Diggs was slightly under-targeted. And I know that there's only one football to go around, you know, using that Golden State Warrior you know mantra in terms of one basketball for all these guys how's it going to work when Kevin Durant went there and all that I mean for those who actually care about the NBA um but you know Stefan Diggs last year I mean I don't know Scott uh, 2021 he had uh, 103 catches I guess kind of maybe did a little quietly he had 1225 yards he had 10 touchdowns I don't know I kind of feel like he could have done more he averaged 12.4 uh, yards per catch um do you see a monstrous 2022? I mean, I know that Davis is developing. You have Dawson Knox. You're going to use the screen game a little bit. You got the slot guys, Crowder, McKenzie and company, all the rookies coming in. Tavon Austin maybe has a spot on this roster. But what about Diggs? Is he is he primed and ready for a, just a monstrous season?
0: I don't know necessarily statistically. I mean, he could be more effective, but not... Um... Targeted anymore. You know, like, I mean, I, as you see, I think they just have an abundance of riches here. And, you know, and, and the other factor is like, um, you know, the guy who's going to be doing the play calling, in Ken Dorsey. What is he looking to do? Are they going to become a little bit more run oriented? I hope not. Um, you know, uh, and, and also look at the other weapons you have here. Don't forget OJ Howard is kind of a sleeper here. Are you going to go with some, you know, two tight end sets and stuff? And is, is Howard going to be, uh, the beneficiary of that, you know? Um, uh, cause I, I, think, you know, he was a great talent coming out of college and stuff. And, and we really, he really hasn't realized maybe what we thought of him, you know, when, when he, when he was coming out. So I don't know if there's necessarily going to be, you know, the monster stats. I think part of what happens too is that, you know, Stefan Diggs has this incredible statistical year, you know, with Josh Allen and then he becomes a guy who is covered more aggressively, you know, like he's a guy that we've got to try to keep, you know, take away as much as we can and still also pay attention to the other weapons there. So I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if he's necessarily going to get more targets, if he's going to put up monster yardage or whatever, but he might be more efficient. He might get more touchdowns. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you're a talent like that, you're also creating opportunities for other people. And again, I think there's an abundance of riches in this offense. Um, and so that's not necessarily going to mean that he is going to, you know, all of a sudden get more targets. And I don't think it, it isn't like he's not getting thrown to, or, you know, that they're that, you know, I, and it, he doesn't strike me as a, you know, as the prima Donna uh, type, you know, uh, stereotypical wide receiver. Um, I, I think he realizes what's going on here. And I think, again, I'll go back to, I, you know, just like with Poyer, I think that, you know, these guys want to ring um, and they know, they're smart enough to know like it's all there for them as long as they stay healthy and they don't, you know, suffer the the toe stubbings that they did against like like a Jacksonville last year or or a Pittsburgh in the opener, you know. They can't afford to lay those types of eggs because I think I think the whole key to this, Mike, is that they gotta
1: get home field advantage. They get home Fair field advantage yep. all the way through. Yep. I like their chances tremendously to win the Super Bowl. Me I really too. do. Me too. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's really the target. You kinda hope that maybe the AFC West bangs each other a little bit here. Um, you know, bangs up on each other and then you've got the situation going on with the South probably a little bit weak. Uh the north they might bang each other up as well. I mean who who knows if Cincinnati can you know, stay up at that level. It's awfully difficult after you go to a Super Bowl, as the Bills know very well uh, from their history. So uh could be, could be uh, wild times in Buffalo if they do get the home field advantage. We're talking Bills football here on the Panamonium Podcast with my good pal Scott Petoniak of the Rochester Business Journal and the longtime best-selling author and insider covering the team for a long, long time. Um, you know, Scott, going into this year, we have four guys who we're going to really know. I mean, this year is going to dictate – what the Bills want to do uh, with four free agents. Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, we, we already talked about, let off the show with him. Uh, you know, Hopefully a deal gets done soon, but if it lingers on, it's going to be out there. Then you have Devin Singletary and you have Dawson Knox. Whatever these guys do, it's going to obviously dictate the Bills keeping them from a production standpoint, but also because of what they do on the field, how much they produce, that obviously will equal what kind of money that these guys could get on the market. But if I gave you... Two guys out of the four to keep moving forward. Who would you take?
0: Wow. Um, well, that, that's a tough one. I would probably go Knox. Um, I think he, he made tremendous strides last year. Um, I think he he's uh, you know, and, and we all know that this is the weakest position in franchise history is tight end, um, and it looks like they might have a guy who could just very might very well be the best they've ever had he's got the potential for that i know he's had some dropsy uh, problems in the past you know holding on the football and stuff like that but he really he really ratcheted things up he's he's a he's a extremely talented athlete so i might want to try to keep him and again this is going to get real tricky as we said like you know they you know brandon bean has done a marvelous job of managing the cap but when the you know when when the big load drops with the with the quarterbacks contract and Josh Allen's contract then it gets it, it gets trickier um you know looking at uh, Tremaine Edmonds uh, I know he's a guy that uh, Bill's fans seem to like to uh, uh, rag on uh, they just don't think that they've got the kind of production that they thought they were going to get out of a guy who was drafted in the middle of the first round uh, and you know came came in with uh, with, you know, a lot of ballyhoo and, and hype. Um he's still relatively young. Um, you know, what is it going to take? And plus it, that's a position when I look at at this, you know, this depth chart, the um, you know, linebacker is a position that's kind of uh kind of thin, I think, you know, in terms of tail, you know, you got Milano and and, you know, again, what do you call it? you call Von Miller a linebacker? You know, it's that it's that whole thing. Like I don't. He's a he's an edge rusher. You're not gonna put him in the coverage and that sort of thing. So um I might I might go with him next. And and the the two other guys you mentioned were um
1: Well, we have Edmonds, Poyer, Knox, and Singletary.
0: Right. Poyer, Knox, and Singletary. Yeah. Uh it, it's tough. Singletary to me would be of the four would be the most expose you know expendable yeah. um i i would think the others now we get into some you know it, it's kind of tough like i mean you could make an argument that even if you lost knox you still have so much offensive talent and, and josh allen makes everybody better we know that so maybe you know maybe he's expendable um you know you, you could make that argument um you know, and again, Poyer as is I mentioned before. You, you know, he's 31, yep. and that's at an age. You know, we're going to get right at that age now where safeties fall off. Um, it's, 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 you know, you, you look at the history of the position, and and that's that can happen. So, um, if pressed, I would I would probably try to keep Knox and Edmonds because I think that they're, you know, they've got the most upside of of the four guys you mentioned.
1: I agree with you, except that I also, by the same token, don't ever want to find out what a defense looks like without Jordan Poyer. I just, I, I don't know, man. What, what he brings to the table and all that, um, his ability to to read plays, tackle, help out, uh, uh, cover. I, I don't. I, I just, I love the guy. I do. I do agree with you and, and many others in that. You know, the safeties, this is the age and he's trying to prove that that's not the case with him but again do you do you wait for him to prove it with just like a, a one-year two-year deal you know to max him out till he's 33 do you let him walk after this year it's a really hard one uh for the bills you know Tremaine Edmonds I think has gotten somewhat of a bad rap I know he is not a superstar player yet I know that he is uh you know a guy who isn't You know, exactly somebody that gets talked about as, well, if there's one guy on the defense that, you know, you build around, it's he's not one of those guys, I understand. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, Scott, I mean, every single box score I look at with the Bills, and I know he doesn't also, by the way, blow up plays enough, according to a lot of football experts, but here's what I see, I see 70 solo tackles, I see 77 solo tackles, I see 66 and then 80 the last four years. And okay. I see that he's still pretty darn young. I don't know. I I think he maybe gets a little bit of a bad rap. I mean, the guy's always around the ball. Am I wrong?
0: No, I, I don't think you're wrong. And he is he is kind of the the person that, that that fans seem to fixate on. You know, again, I think because he came you know where he was drafted. He was drafted so highly. You know, part of that great draft that obviously bought brought the franchise quarterback in and josh allen Yeah, you know, I, I think the age thing too is something that people have to understand he's only 24 years old he came in the league right. he was the youngest player in the history of the league yes and we kind of forget that and you know so so there's still there's still plenty of room for him to grow um and maybe he won't become anything more than he is you know, I, I think some people wanted this like sideline to sideline guy or something, <laughs> like you say, blowing up plays or whatever. And the other thing too is that you know, with the addition of someone like you know, uh, like like Von Miller, and and the improvement of you know some of your young um, pass rushers and, and 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 stuff, you know, maybe that makes Edmonds more efficient. You know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll see and stuff, but yeah, I think, um, there's, there's no question that he's, he's kind of a polarizing guy on this team, uh, and, and does, you know, receive the ire, I think a little bit too much of from Bill's fans and so forth. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't give up on him again. He's 24 years old and, um, you know, and, and we'll see again, he's, is he, is he at all pro no, he's not an all pro, but there's still potential, you know,
1: given his age. Yeah, there sure is. A couple more for you here, Scott. Uh, When I look at – this is a really interesting topic, I think – Von Miller on defense. You know, they want to keep him fresh. They want to utilize him the right ways. They want to give the ends, you know, Basham and Russo and Epinesa. It's a big year for Epinesa. They want to give those guys rotational spots and all that and keep everybody fresh. And they have done a good job with that, McDermott and Leslie Frazier, on the defensive side of the football. When you look at Von Miller and how you can, you know, you can bookend him at either one, right? You can put him a left, you can put him right. You can move him back. I mean, he's just, he's, he's all of fame talent. Um, how do you envision the bills using Von Miller in 2022?
0: I think they're going to come to some sort of compromise and common ground. And, and you know, and Leslie Frazier addressed this the other day that, you know, they understand this guy's a competitor. Mm-hmm. He wants to be out there. He wants to be out there to make game changing plays, you know, and it, could be first, second or third down, Um, you know, so he's, he's going to push to, to want to play as much as he has been playing. And I, and I understand where, you know, Frazier's coming from, they have their system, um, you know, and they're going to, I, I, I'm excited to see, you know, some of the young edge guys that you mentioned, you know, Epinesa and Rousseau is a a freak of nature there, you know, and, and, and Basham, Uh, you know, so, uh, and Oliver, you know, we forgot about, but he's, he really came on last year. So yeah, he did. And I, by I the way, he, we talked about you know, money
1: bat, contract yeah. coming up here soon for him too.
0: Yeah, that, that you're right. And so they're not gonna be able to keep all these guys, you know, you know, you know, down the road or whatever. So, so it's, it's some big years for the others, but so I, I think that, you know, I think Miller uh, again, the, you know, it's the first ballot hall of famer for a reason that's because he wants to be on the field at all, all times and stuff. So, that's going to be interesting to see and, and to monitor, um, but I, I think that they'll find a common ground. It's going to be somewhere between, you know, somewhere in the middle between, you know, this rotational thing. Well, maybe you do your rotational system, but every every so often on some of these shifts, you don't include taking Miller off the field. You know, I mean, it's 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 easily enough, you know, it's simple enough. I think to come up with a system there and kind of. Kind of not just stick to like nope. This is the lineup. This is the way it goes. This is the way rotation. And we've we've seen this sometimes with some some you know big name players where coaches are just adamant about sticking to that mm-hmm. that freaking rotation. When you're wondering to yourself like wait a minute the game's on the line here, a playoffs on the line, whatever, and this guy's not on the field, and you're going like what? And and particularly with Miller, who you know you're you're paying quite a bit of money for like that this was a big splash. This was one of those final pieces of the puzzle, right? To get you over the hump. Um, you know, so uh, I, 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 again, I, I would be shocked if uh, uh, if they don't find some sort of common ground here, but it, it bears watching, you know, because if, if he's not playing or he's not, you know, you're not getting the production out of him and he says, well, it's because I'm not playing. I can't get in the feel and flow of the game then that that could be quote unquote a distraction down the road
1: do you subscribe to super bowl or bust
0: um yeah i well i i kind of I, I i would say it would be dis, disappointing yeah i i would say that they don't make it at least make it to the super bowl i i would be very disappointed um with this with the season and you know that that's the the blessing and the curse right yeah. that they are they have built this roster to the point that they're good enough to be thought in those terms. And I think that's the, you know, it's amazing, Mike, to think of how high the bar has been raised oh, in man. such a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, you know, b- yeah. before it was like, you know. Just it, break it the drought. Like, yeah. What was it, two inches off the ground, the mm-hmm. bar or something? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And and now we can't even see it so high. Um, so, yeah, I would say that, I would say that people are going to be very, very disappointed if this team doesn't get over the hump. And, you know, and and then it comes, you know, God forbid that, you know, we look back on this era and say, like, you know, like we did with wide right, that was your best chance. Yeah. You know, that was your best chance. And and this is where it didn't happen, you know, and these things happen in sports. I hate to say it, but it's all laid out there for the bills. I think, I think, as you'd mentioned you know, the, the AFC West, those teams are going to beat up on one another. It is It could be the, the most talented division in the history of football. I mean, you know, in terms of balance and, and good teams, legitimate teams, any of them could win it, and they're good. Um, you know, so you figure that they're not going to be able to compile a good enough record to, you know, beat out the Bills for home field advantage. Now, it's up to the Bills to take advantage of their situation. And I understand that the schedule is very difficult and challenging early on. And this team could be like, you know, a game above 500 or whatever through what the first seven. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then there, then it really is to their advantage after that, where they can really make hay. but um, you know, I don't see this team. This team should not be like last year. How did they lose six games? They shouldn't have. And no. all they had to do was if they lost five, we, you know, it would be in a much better situation, right?
1: They they probably could have won it all. Would have been, but still had it right on a silver platter with uh, thirteen seconds. And we're not gonna even yeah. we're not even gonna go beyond that. <laughs> um in closing, uh it was great to see you. You know, this past weekend as always in Cooperstown and I know it's a blast for you, um, induction weekend. you're you're a, a hustler down there and you have done a lot of work at the hall, uh in, in the magazine for years and Other areas, Um, give me your takeaways on uh, on the Hall of Fame induction weekend because, after all, it is a Bills podcast, but many Bills fans are crossover baseball fans by the same token. Yeah,
0: I thought it was a great mix. You know, the the six guys who went in, and I thought it was interesting how many had talked about how they kind of there was a thread going through this whole thing, going all the way back to Bud Fowler, who most of the people didn't know about. You know, but was the first you know African American professional baseball player in the first on in many regards like to play on a on a white team back in 1878 we're talking like you know nearly seven decades before uh jackie robinson and then going right up through you know big poppy david ortiz and it clearly was a you know it was a red Sox weekend there's no question that was a dominant fan base there and they they had they had uh, uh plenty to cheer about you know with him but i i thought it was a you know it was great it was to me like um it, you know, it was one of those, it's about time for a number of those guys, you know, including Bud, Bud Fowler and certainly Buck O'Neill, and to see the love for him. And I only just, my only regret was, as, as yours and many others, like, could you imagine if he had been there in the speech oh, he would have given? Uh, he would. It would have been the best of all time. Um, and, you know, and, and to see Gil Hodges, again, why that took so long, you know, the totality of his career when you factor in the boys of summer and what he did with the Brooklyn Dodgers as a player, and then, you know, the miracle Mets. And even, he was even a good manager, you know, with the Washington senators, believe it or not, relatively speaking. So um, yeah, it was good to see some of those things, mini Munoso and his impact on Latin American players. And now look at the dominance of, of the Latin American player in baseball. Um, You know, so to have a pioneer, a guy who opened the doors for so many others, you know, uh so I, it was a good it was a I think it was a good class, a really good weekend, uh, and even the rain held off uh you know for the speeches.
1: By the way, I will say that there were seven who went in. Um i oh, I'm sorry. And uh yeah, I mean I, I thought a couple of guys were were definitely slam dunks. Um but I also see, you know, a couple borderlines there and you know it's always tough in that regard. But uh certainly Fowler and Buck uh you know, what's funny, Scott, is the the, the the when you look at the whole, you know, resume, you look at the whole career, uh, you, you look at it and you say, okay, do they have the numbers? What era did they play in? What position did they play? You know, uh, compare them to the other players of the era. Uh, what kind of an impact? Did they have an opportunity to begin with because of the Negro League situation, right? Like the color barrier being broken. You look at all those things, and I think because they're kind of letting in I think it's been watered down a little bit. I think we've kind of gotten to a point where you kind of wonder more about who's going in, who's a Hall of Famer, and who's not, and it should be concrete, I think. If you look at a resume and you see the awards and the accolades and the stats and the era and all this, it should be right there, he's a Hall of Famer, and I don't think that it's that way.
0: Yeah, it's the old, uh, I hate to you know, blame a guy who was a really, really good player, but I, I really question his Hall of Famer, but it's the Harold Baines. I'm sure it is. Uh, Dilemma, you know. Like, I mean, you know, is he really a Hall of Famer? You know, no way. You know, really good player. Don't you know, don't get me wrong. Sure. Really, really good player. But, you know, Hall of the very good. And, right. And there's that. You know, there is that distinction. And it's going to be interesting because in in the next several years here, um I don't know if you have like as many. You know, I don't think you have too many slam dunks to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So you could have you you very well could have a year, and we've seen this before where there's nobody elected, yeah, you know, and that's not good for the hall of fame. I, I get that. I, I want to see the hall of fame thrive. They went through some tough times, like, you know, like all museums and so many businesses did uh, through COVID and so forth. And, you know, they're, they're bouncing back. That was great. That was the other good thing, like, you know, to see is that, you know, the crowds were back, um, you know, uh, and, and, uh, you know, we, we had both went down there last September, you know, for, for Derek Jeter's and there was somewhere 20, 25,000 there. I, again, it was on a, a weekday school had just started. It was, it was, you know, it just, it, it would have been so much greater if there hadn't been, you know, that, that delayed for, you know, two years almost. And, and if Jeter could have had his day in July, um, you know, there would have been a hundred thousand people there without question, um, for that. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how how this goes. And and again, if you have nobody going in, what do you do? Because it's the biggest weekend of the year for you. And uh, you know, I, I
1: don't I don't know how you get around it then. Put the rest of the steroid guys in, and put Shula's Joe and Pete Rose in. Brought to you by DraftKings. I've said it for you know. I said it. <laughs> I, and brought to you by FanDuel and DraftKings. And hang up the damn banners. I mean, it's at this particular point. I mean, that's that whole Ortiz thing getting in. It's fine. I mean, I think he's Hall of Famer but how he can get in and Bonds can't, how he can get in and Clemens can't, how Bud Selig's in and Palmero can't and Sosa and Maguire and A-Rod and all the guys I just mentioned I don't like, but I am a realist and know that the era happened and they were probably Hall of Famers before they took them and we've done this a million times and it's time to get over it. It's time to address the issue. It's time to put them in. It's time to put them on, you know, put, put something on their plaque to explain why this happened And, Mm -hmm. and move on, but they're never going to do it. And they're never going to build a wing in there. The only, the only hope I have is that these more recent committees used to be called the veterans committee. And now there's, you know, modern era things, whatever, with different, you know, timelines, um, the history of the game. I just hope that one of the time, times that they vote, that they all come to the realization, like we should probably put these guys in.
0: Yeah. Well, it's going to be, it's, it's difficult because we know even like, you know, for Jim Cotton, those guys, like. It, it still takes you know uh, two you know three quarters of the vote seventy five percent of the vote, and what you have is you have panels that are essentially sixteen people on the panel, and you know the the other factor like we we want to blame writers and this and that, but some of these other panels are not writers. It is you know it's a combination of maybe media historians and hall of famers. Yeah, and you'd be surprised that you know there is a strong feeling. Uh, particularly among the older hall of famers that they still do not want to acknowledge, you know, you know, the, the stuff with the steroid era. And it's, 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 it's a, it's a sticky wicket for, you know, major league baseball because your all-time hits leader, uh, your, your all-time home run leader, um, and your all-time Cy Young award winner, um, are not in the hall of fame. Yep. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's really tough. And and we all, we've all talked about this morality thing you know, there are bad people in the Hall of Fame. There are racists. There, there are, are uh, you know, people that were misogynists and so forth and, and you know, and abused drugs, whatever, um, you know, that are in there. Uh, you know, so it's you got to come to a reckoning point here and understand that, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess you got to kind of get over that. And again, I don't like any of those guys. And I don't like what they did. I don't like what, you know, what Barry Bonds did. I don't like what Clemens did. Um, they cheated, uh, you know, and, and that's a, you know, and, and, you know, Rose and Shoeless Joe gambled, but, you know, um, but, um, again, look at some of the people that you have in there. You had a, you got a commissioner in there who was an avowed racist, who kept the color line going, you know, for decades longer than it should have, or should have, not that it should ever have, but he kept it going. He kept that, that ruse going and and whatever, you know, so, um, it, it's, a, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I just don't see it changing, you know, anytime real quickly, to be honest with you.
1: He's on Twitter at Scott Petonia, go uh, online or to your neighborhood bookstores and get all of his awesome best-selling books um, across the board and uh, kind enough to join us here on the pandemonium podcast rbj.net rochester uh, business journal he's been at it for decades covering sports covering the buffalo bills insider and reporter tv contributor you name it again on twitter at scott petoniak scott this is always a blast thanks buddy hey thanks for having me i always enjoy it thanks mike